Well, I wonder if uh, you've ever felt that you don't quite fit in. I wonder if you've ever had a longing to belong. Because this world can be a lonely place, can't it? Even in the midst of lots of people, it's possible to be very lonely. It's possible to feel like an outsider looking in. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I suspect that we all have. I just wonder whether it's resonating especially with you at the moment. Because it's, it's actually very important to us that we belong. It's very important to us that we be part of something bigger than just myself. Because we were not made to be an island. We were made to be connected. It's not a very uh, romantic or profound sort of picture, but it's almost like our hearts are like little Lego bricks. They don't have smooth edges. They're made to be joined to others. This, this issue actually is especially big in our culture today. People in our culture, people in our world, people in our workplace, in our neighbourhood, people are desperately searching for identity, for meaning, for belonging. And you can see that in the movies that we watch and the television programs that we, that we watch and the, the stories that we enjoy, the really popular stories are the ones of people searching for and finding identity, relationship, meaning, belonging. I love, uh, I love superhero movies, and uh, there's been stacks, really, made in the last uh, 10 years or so. And really, in, in amongst all the CGI and the great action and stuff like that, in all of the uh, superhero movies, really, the underlying theme is belonging. How do we belong? You know, especially, I guess, it's to the fore in the X-Men movies where mutants with special powers are excluded from the rest of humanity and struggle to find their place, struggle to find their meaning. Belonging. Belonging really matters. Which, let me tell you, that's why the very short bit of the Bible we're looking at tonight is so great. We're really just looking at verse 5 of Ephesians 1. In a sense, that's our text, and it may be small, but in fact it's huge. It really is huge. Remember from last time that uh, in this series, as we're working our way slowly through this chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, what we are really doing is blessing counting. Not bean counting, blessing counting, much better. Because remember that great truth from verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Have a look at it with me. God the Father has blessed his people in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so what we're doing is we're browsing through the blessing catalogue of Ephesians chapter 1 and we're taking some time to ponder and enjoy and delight in the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. And it may be that you're here tonight and you don't yet belong to Jesus and I hope... My, my great hope, my great prayer is that perhaps even as you listen in tonight, you'll think, I'd like to know more and I'd love to talk to some more about it with you later if you'd like to. There's things that I say tonight you think, gee, I'd love a part of that. You make sure you talk to someone, won't you? Last week, we considered the blessing of election. 
the blessing of God choosing us as his people before even the creation of the world. And tonight, tonight you see, we consider what God had in mind when he chose us. What was God's intention in choosing his people? And it is a simple and it is a profound and it is a glorious truth. God chose us, verse 5. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And you know what? For us who have a longing to belong, there could be no more sweeter, no more comforting news than that, could there? To know that from before the creation of the world, God himself chose us to belong to him. That's our focus tonight. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help us properly appreciate this great truth. You might like to join me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are people who long to belong. And Father, we want to understand the great joy, the glory of being able to belong to you. And we want this, Father, so that we can properly understand our longings and we can properly, uh, I guess, keep things in perspective. Father, please help us to grow a little uh, deeper and firmer and surer in our understanding of how great it is to belong to Jesus so that we might not fall for fakes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's an outline on the inside of your bulletin. It's got a few little extra verses there that might be helpful as we move our way through. But we're up to point one. I'm not too sure, um, actually, here, to, here who of us tonight have actually been adopted into our human family. I'm not sure how many of us as parents or uh, adults have considered adopting a child into your family. But according to verse 5 of this passage, our text, if you belong to Jesus... If you are a Christian, then you can know with absolute certainty that God, before the creation of the world, chose to adopt you as his child. God chose to welcome you into his family. God chose to grant you the full, rich, privileged, blessed state of his child. Now, I would think that it's, um, it must be a wondrous thing whenever an orphan is welcomed into a new family. To suddenly have a family, to, to suddenly have arms to be held in, to, to have people concerned for your safety, to, to, to know that you have a place where you belong, to, to have a name by now you're which you, uh, that you're now known by, a name that speaks of your belonging. That must be great. It must be a wonderful thing always. But I guess if we had to, we, we might measure just how wonderful a thing it is by the family into which someone was adopted. You know, the richer the family in love and generosity and care, we might say the more blessed the adopted orphan. Or perhaps we might think about the situation in which the orphan was in before they were adopted. And so the more awful and desperate situation, the more wonderful the story would be of their adoption. Folks, let me tell you that no human adoption story could ever compare, could ever possibly compare 
with our adoption by God into his family. And see, that's our task tonight. We want to grasp the wonder of it all. So I want us to think about it for a moment, if we can. I want us to think about what we were before our adoption. And so I want us to think back to last week again. Because remember last week, we looked back at Ephesians chapter 2. And in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we see exactly what we once were. Have a look at it again with me. Chapter 2 and verse 1, let me read. It says, As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Remember we saw it last week. It's a very, very grim, bleak, realistic picture of the human situation apart from Christ Jesus. But let me tell you, of special interest to us tonight is that phrase in uh, verse uh, 2... Those who are disobedient. Because literally, literally it is the sons of disobedience. See, what were we before our adoption by God? We were, according to verse 2, the sons of disobedience. Can you see the incredible contrast here? Now, though, you see through Christ, we who were once the sons of disobedience can now be the sons of God. And in verse 3, that last phrase of verse 3, we considered last time, it says, like the rest there in verse 3, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Literally, that last phrase is children of wrath. Children of wrath. What were we before our adoption by God? We were once children of wrath. But now, through Christ, we can be children of God. Is that not an incredible contrast? What a before and after miracle. No human adoption story could compare with that. That is the wonder of our adoption. We weren't, okay, we were not a cute, cuddly child, vulnerable, defenseless, whimpering with that pleading look in our teary eyes. It wasn't as if God walked by and thought, I can't do anything else, but I have to pick them up. They are just so irresistible. It's the exact opposite of that. We were sin-scarred rebels. We were shaking our fist in God's face. We were spitting in God's face. We were evil. We were dead in our sins. We were giving God the finger. There was nothing attractive about us at all. We deserved nothing from God apart from his turning his back on him and leaving us in judgment forever. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. And God's response, the way God chose to deal with us, even before the creation of the world, he predestined us to be adopted into his family. God chose that at a a particular time, he would place his strong, gracious, holy arms around us. God chose at a particular time, he would take us into his arms And that he would bring us into the privilege and the security and the love of his family. See, though by our actions and our essence, we ought to be called sons of disobedience, children of wrath. God chose that through Christ, we might bear a new name. Child of God. Child of God. And we're going to think about a bit more about the work of Christ how that could be accomplished next time. 
And you can see, if you look ahead, that Paul goes on in verse 7 to describe it in terms of redemption and forgiveness of sins through his blood, through his saving death. More of that next time. You've got to keep coming back. But for now, it's really important that we grasp who we are through Christ by God's will. Because, you see, God chose that through Christ we might bear a new name. We might enjoy a new status. We might enjoy a new belonging. God chose that it might be true for every single one of us here tonight who've come to Jesus. God chose that it might be true that we could say, who am I? I am a child of God. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? I belong in the family of God. He is my father in heaven. That's incredible. We long to belong. We long to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And God, by his grace, through Christ, embraces us as his own. He brings us to himself, includes us in his family. There is nothing bigger or better than that. We can belong to him. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Friends, can I say gently that no matter what longing to belong remains in your heart, and this side of glory, I take it, we will continue to have such longings and loneliness, but no matter what longing your heart continues to express, your deepest, deepest longing to belong is most fully and wonderfully met in this glorious truth. Through Christ and his saving work on your behalf, you are a child of God. And you know what? That wonderful, that wonderful new belonging is confirmed for us. Not by a certificate of adoption sort of arriving in the post from heaven. Something far more personal. Someone far more personal. You see, as his adopted child, God pours out his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit, whom he gives us. Point three on your outline. The Spirit, whom Paul calls in another place the Spirit of Sonship, or better, the Spirit of Adoption. And we can read about it in Romans 8. Let me read it to you. I'm going to put it up on the screen. From Romans 8, in verse 15, we read this. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but he calls him there the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. He says, we were once slaves, sons of disobedience, children of wrath. But now you see, through Christ and his saving work, now we have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God's son. And I hope you've not been offended, girls. I've kept on using the word son and I haven't said daughter because there is a very close link between our sonship and the sonship of Jesus. And I'm not being you know, sexist. It's not just for boys. But there is something about that that we've got to be careful with our language. I'm just trying to retain that a little bit. We have the spirit of Christ. We have the spirit of God's son, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. He has been given it to us. He has taken up residence in our hearts. And here's the thing, okay, our adoption as the children of God, it's not just a legal transaction. 
It's not that, you know, when you submitted to Christ as your Saviour and Lord, that there was some clerical angel in heaven who wiped your name off the children of wrath list and wrote it down in the children of God list. Our adoption is far more profound, far more wonderful than that. We receive the Spirit of Christ himself. As a child of God, you have received the Spirit of God. Our adoption is in fact a relational reality. In the same way, okay, that a human adopting father might show his love by taking into his arms his newly adopted child, in the same way, but infinitely better, our heavenly adopting father, he pours out his eternal, gracious, merciful love into our hearts by giving us his Holy Spirit. It's a relational reality. You are not pretending to be a child of God. You really are a child of God and you have his spirit to prove it. And so Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8 to say this. And by him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. You know, when Jesus, the Son of God from all eternity, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died, his soul was deeply troubled about what lay ahead. His soul, we read, was overwhelmed with sorrow. And so he fell to the ground and he prayed to his father. He spoke to his father, who was his father from all eternity, and he prayed. Perhaps his most desperate prayer. In his most desperate hour, when he most desperately needed his father, when he cried out to his father from the very depth of his soul, you know what he prayed? Abba, Father. Now read that verse behind me again. And can you see what is so significant about what Paul is writing there in Romans 8? By the spirit of Christ, the spirit of adoption, you and I, we cry, Abba, Father. The very same cry of Jesus in his most desperate hour. A cry of intimacy and affection can be our cry too now. Because as the, as the adopted children of God, we can address God the Father in the very same manner as the Son of God from all of eternity. How could we possibly grasp the privilege of that? How could we truly count that blessing? But we've got to try, you see. This is not like those stories, okay, where the adopted child is treated less favorably than the natural born children. Not at all. God doesn't hold back from us as his adopted children. We are full members of his family, you see. We enjoy all the privileges of belonging to his family. By the spirit of, of the Son, we cry out to the Father with the cry of the Son. The Son. Abba, Father. We cry, Dad, help me. You see, that is the intimacy with which we belong to God as his child. Dad, help me. We long for that relationship with our human father, don't we? Some of us have been blessed to enjoy it. Many of us have not. But can you see? We have God as our father. Dad, help me. 
And this intimacy, okay, this relational reality of our adoption is confirmed by the Spirit. The next verse in Romans 8 says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, friends, there is deep, joyful, soul-satisfying communion with God our Father through the Spirit. The Spirit is sent from God, by God, into our hearts to awaken within us the reality that we are his children and to lead us into the joy of living as his adopted children. I don't know, are you sensing in some way the enormity of the blessing of adoption? That God predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ. It's an immense privilege. But before we leave this passage in Romans 8, it's just worth noticing where Paul goes next. In verse 17 he says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So Paul's saying, as the adopted children of God, we become his heirs. Incredibly there, can you see it? Paul describes us as co-heirs with Christ. God grants us, as his adopted children, an inheritance to be enjoyed in the future. There is a future aspect to our adoption. In fact, a few verses later in Romans chapter 8, you can check it out for yourself later, but a few verses later in Romans 8, Paul talks about how even as as adopted children now, we wait eagerly for our future adoption, the glory of our inheritance. I want us to note that now, but maybe frustratingly for you, I'm not sure, but we're not going to deal with it tonight because, in fact, back in Ephesians 1, our passage and our catalogue of blessing. The blessing of inheritance is the last thing we're going to ponder together. So I could do it now, but then we'd have nothing to say in a few weeks' time, and that would be sad. So we're going to come back to it. But remember, okay, remember at least that as good as it is now, and it's fantastic, as good as it is now to be the adopted child of God, it's only going to get immeasurably better when the Lord Jesus returns. And that is breathtaking. So I want us to take a breath and return to our verse in Ephesians 1 and count this blessing of adoption. Verse 5, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I'm hopeful, though as I've been talking, I'm, I'm actually feeling the weight of trying to do something which is impossible But I'm hoping that somehow we've been able to put a bit more meaning, a bit more oomph into that word adopted. I hope that we're grasping just a little bit more of this immense privilege, although I'm finding it so immense, how could one person possibly do that? Help us see it. But I'm hoping that we see why Paul has included it in this catalogue of spiritual blessing. Because you see, God has taken children of disobedience and wrath and made us his own. God has brought us into his family. He's not held back any of the privileges of belonging to his family. God, by his spirit, has confirmed our adoption and allows us now to approach him with the intimacy of his eternal son. With Jesus and by his spirit, we too can cry out, Abba, Father. And we can now enjoy rich, deep, soul-satisfying communion with God the Creator. And yet as good as that is, our adoption will be fulfilled 
when Jesus returns and we'll enter into our inheritance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And none of it is deserved, okay? That's the thing. You didn't earn any of it. And neither did I. We were dead, remember? Dead in our sins and our transgressions. We were children of wrath. Children of disobedience. It is all of God. It is all of his mercy. It is all of his grace. It's all of his generosity. And so, brothers and sisters, is any wonder that Paul completes verse 5 in the way he does? Have a look at it with me. Verse 5. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It is all to the praise of his glorious grace, his incomparable grace. And exactly like last week, okay, our response to this must surely be humble thanksgiving. Because you cannot count this blessing of adoption without responding with humble thanksgiving. It's overwhelming, really, I reckon. We long to belong, you see, And now by grace, we belong to God in the most intimate way possible. We are his child. Humble thanksgiving. And so, of course, as his children who are able to cry out, Abba, Father, Dad, help me, we will go to him with everything, won't we? Every joy, every anxiety, Every hardship, we will go to him instinctively. We will go to our Heavenly Father. We'll seek him out. The one who knows what we need even before we ask. Continual prayer will be the natural overflow of our privileged position. And of course, as his adopted children, indwelt by his spirit, we'll now seek to live as his children. That's another consequence of of properly counting this blessing. The truth of our adoption will be seen in the fruit of the Spirit, in our, in our changed and changing lives. As adopted children, we will take on the family likeness. And in a word, the family likeness is love. And so later in this letter, in Ephesians 5 and verse 1, I think I forgot to put that on the outline, but Ephesians 5 and verse 1, the apostle writes this. You might want to flick and have a look. He says this. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are dearly loved children. And so we take on the family likeness. We imitate God. We live a life of love. And folks, how wonderful and gracious, isn't it? That even as we seek and strive to live up to our new identity as the children of God, how great is it that even as we seek to put off all those traits and characteristics and habits that no longer fit who we are now, how wonderful that as we do all of that, God, by his spirit, the very spirit of adoption, The Holy Spirit, how wonderful that God by his spirit changes us and grows within us the very family likeness he commands. It is all to the praise of his wondrous grace. We live by grace. And brothers and sisters, please realize, won't you, that we live among people 
who are longing to belong. Your workmates, your neighbours, your friends, they long to belong. And you have the answer that they need to hear. And you know what? It's easy to sit in here in a room with some music playing or even now as we're just sitting. It's easy to say, I want to praise God's glorious grace. It's great if that's what you want to do. But you know what? We need to praise it out there. That's where we need to praise his glorious grace. And the way that you praise his glorious grace is not necessarily take a guitar into work tomorrow. Well, you could. Maybe not a tambourine. The way that you will praise his glorious grace tomorrow is to share the news of his grace with your friend, your neighbour, your parent, your workmate. As a, ch- as a child of God, okay, called to live a life of love, there could be nothing more loving than sharing with someone who at the moment is longing to belong, to share with them how they can belong to God as his child. They could not hear anything more important. You could not tell them anything more important. And so that surely must be another consequence of counting this blessing. Here's the blessing though one more time. Verse 5. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. How about we pray? I want you to take a moment to say thanks. Heavenly Father, great God, from all eternity, past, present and future, what incredible truth this is that you might choose to adopt even people like us into your family, that you might give us your name, that you might make us your child. Father, these, are, these things are too weighty for us to comprehend completely. We want to be stirred by them. We want our thinking to be shaped by them. We want our actions to be governed by them. Father, please help us to count this blessing well and respond rightly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.